by Track presents Stevie Wonder Classics. Today we'll be talking about Nicolela Es Una Historia. I am singing uh, from the album Songs in the Key of Life, opening up the fourth side of Songs in the Key of Life. On the track is Stevie Wonder playing his bass synthesizer, some drums, and a Koto synthesizer, uh, which is different from the other synthesizers he's had on this album. Obviously he's singing. And then we have background percussion from Charles Brewer, Shirley Brewer, Renee Hardaway, Nelson Hayes, Marriott Waters, Nathan Watts, John Fishback, Amal Matthews, and Josette Valentina. Uh, the track is 3 minutes 52, and joining me to talk about today is Daniel Reifershade. Hello, Daniel. What's up? There's a lot of percussion on this. I think that's something that is kind of obvious within the the kind of uh, the instrumentation of this song. Uh, the Koto is, I think this is probably the only track that I know, uh, certainly, you know, in this run of songs where Stevie Wonder has used it. It's one of those types of synthesizers, uh, if you can picture it, uh, that is a piece of plastic. And instead of having like a keyboard, it has a number of buttons. And mm. you can kind of program like a loop into it. Uh, using the different button combinations and then you store those in buttons numbered like one two three four and then you can switch between those for verses chorus and that so the noise that you hear kind of in this song the kind of um i don't know how to describe it a kind of clicking a kind of that kind of noise that's the synthesizer like a like like a castanet that sounds yeah 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 that yeah that that's that's yeah that's i mean that's that's a yeah and and so you have that and obviously you have different you know for the verses and the choruses there's actually slightly different um i say verses and choruses this doesn't i mean it sort of has a chorus but because of the uh you know the different the kind of different languages at the beginning it feels like there's three verses before we kind of get to any chorus in this song and i, I don't know that there's really a strong chorus in here either um but yeah so yeah. you you have the different kind of you know settings for that and you can kind of change them as you as you're playing it and you know obviously that's something that stevie wonder kind of loved to do was like get these kind of synthesizers and um you know one of the reasons he liked the yamaha gx1 is because it had four different keyboards that he could play and he could kind of switch between having chords on one hand and doing the melody on the other and all that kind of stuff so uh, you know this is kind of right up stevie's kind of 70s experimentation street um, but this is kind of the only, you know, the only, um, you know, track that I can recall this being on. Um, and it does kind of give it a slightly different feel. I'm guessing because, you know, Stevie Wonder, you know, he opens the first verse of this is in uh, Zulu, uh, as described in the title, mm -hmm. uh, Nicky Leila. And then the second is uh, in Spanish. Uh, and then the, th the third is kind of when we, we kind of... What we get that we get a, a verse in in English and then we get a chorus in English, which kind of is almost like the Spanish verse, um, in terms of like the kind of the the lyrics, um, and then we kind of get you know another kind of verse in English before the end. I, I don't know. It's hard because there's not really a verse and a chorus, but be, behind each of those, each time he changes, there is like a different kind of pattern being played on the koto, um, and so obviously that's I guess kind of what he's you know why he's picked this particular instrument. Um, I, I guess mm -hmm. like, you know, after this, he didn't really kind of uh, rate the Koto because he <laughs> didn't use it again on this album. Uh, and I, I can't recall him using it on kind of subsequent albums either. Like, I think by then he'd kind of switched to uh, more pedestrian Yamahas. Um, so, mm -hmm. um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, an it's an interesting kind of instrumentation. And also the fact that he has so much kind of background percussion as well on this, which kind of really... Yeah. 
I, I don't want to say it overwhelms it, but I, I think because the novelty of him singing in the kind of three different languages, um, it kind of makes this song. That's kind of, I think, what most people remember this song for. I think the instrumentation and the kind of percussion stuff is slightly less important in terms of, you know, um, kind of what people remember I am singing for. Yeah. Um, I mean, it is it is a sign, though, that this is like his big, gigantic blockbuster album that you have nine people credited for background <laughs> percussion. That's the kind of thing that happens when you're riding really high and you can just, whatever you want to do, the record company is like, sure, go for it. Yeah, well, I mean, his, you know, his deal was pretty sweet. So um, I don't know if this is still true, but, you know, it had a clause where if, if, if um, Motown is ever sold, they have to consult Stevie Wonder on the new buyers. Um, so, you know, he had full, he could do whatever he wanted. And the fact that he's credited everyone as well is kind of, that's something that Motown was not known for, particularly in the 60s, you know, where you, you just had kind of, no, no. you know, anonymous kind of, you know, studio musicians. So the fact that Stevie feels the need to kind of give everyone the full credit is, and that's something that's particularly true of Songs in the Key of Life. There are so many, like people are credited all over this thing. <laughs> Stevie's very clear yeah. to make sure who's kind of contributing to every single song. Um you know, so I also have to say I'm I'm not a big fan of the Koto. Uh, not that I've heard it on a lot of other songs, but it does feel like uh, a, a lot of synthesizers that Stevie Wonder uses during the '70s are there for texture, or they're there to like do an interesting thing. While this one, it just feels a bit like, like in a different context, it could almost be like some sort of new wave thing, right? Where you would just have this very minimal synth line and then like somebody declaiming some post-punk poetry on top or something. Uh, it doesn't feel, uh, yeah, it, it, it feels a bit kitschy uh, within like the context of the album, I feel like. Yeah, yeah. And I think I would say as well, like, you know, this is like in terms of like the opening songs for each of the four sides, I think this is probably like the weakest opening song. Mm. Um, you know, I think some of the other sides have got kind of stronger starts to them, particularly, you know, if you put it up against like, isn't she lovely? I mean, you know, oh, yeah. <laughs> you know I, I don't think you kind of get top that. So, um, yeah, it, it feels like, you know, out of the four sides, this is probably I would say that the fourth side is probably like the weaker of the, the kind of the, the songs. Um, you know, I mean, obviously you've got As on here and, you know, Another Star's a great song, but, you know, mm-hmm. you're finishing off with like a disco song and you're starting off with this song. If You know, compared to, you know, stuff like Ordinary Pain and I Wish and, you know, Love's in Love, Need Today and yeah. Sajuke, you know, Isn't She Lovely? Like, I feel like there's a lot more stronger songs kind of opening the other the other three sides. Um, you know, this, yeah, this... and and as far as like the music goes, it it does feel a bit like I, I I'm listening to this. If it were just an instrumental, I could imagine this playing like while while Sonic is in the casino so- zone. You know, that, <laughs> that's kind of the vibe that I get from it. Yeah. Um. So obviously, Stevie made the choice to sing in more than one language. Now, I myself, I would never claim to be multilingual. Um, I, I feel, Daniel, that you may have more than one language that you speak. I, I, I can I can understand the Spanish because I'm fluent in Portuguese and yeah. uh, those languages are very close to each other. I am not fluent in Zulu. <laughs> no, well, I was going to I was going to say, I think even I could kind of pick up on what's being said in the Spanish. Um, you yeah, know. it's 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 quite basic. Uh, I don't I don't know if Stevie Wonder was fluent in Spanish, but it's it's quite a basic lyric. No, he actually had I think his trombone player um, did, a, did like kind of wrote the lyrics in Spanish for him. He kind of like gave him oh, okay. gave him like the English, and then he kind of came up with the Spanish, and then obviously they modified it a bit so they could kind of get some kind of rhyme schemes in there. 
Um, you know, and also there is a Prince song called Tiemo Corazon. So I'm, f- I'm, you know, when he says, uh, you know, uh, honest, uh, on- I, I'm not very good at Spanish. Um, when he says uh, no Dimi Corazon at the end, like I'm like, oh, okay. Mm. I, you know, I recognize that from a Prince song. <laughs> so, um, you know, that's the extent. I mean, obviously in an earlier song, he actually does sing the words. I mean, in Don't You Worry About a Thing, he says he's very fluent in Spanish. So, um, mm-hmm. yeah, you, true, you know, true. so, uh, so I'm in Spanish was, I mean, I don't know how fluent he really was, but, um, you know, he, he, he does a good job, I would say, of singing the Spanish in this song. Obviously, you know, not being a kind of native Spanish speaker, I wouldn't be able to tell myself, but obviously, you know, I felt your expertise on the romance languages would be helpful in this song. Um, so <laughs> I don't, I don't know if you can kind of give us clarity on whether or not he sounds credible singing the Spanish. Um, well, I, I, I wouldn't want to, uh, uh, you know, make too much of a pronouncement on that because I, I do not actually, you know, I, I've never lived uh, in any Spanish speaking country. And then there's the whole question of like, what kind of Spanish is he trying to speak? Is he trying to speak, you know, Cuban accented, Mexican accented? Is he trying to speak like straight up Spanish European Spanish, but I, I think he acquits himself yeah. quite well. And of course, it's like it's another thing of like even when the song isn't great, you always kind of love Stevie, right? Because it's such a nice little sentiment, you know, of like, hey, this lyric is all like love and peace, and then I'm going to sing it in like three different languages because I want to unite people, you know? Yeah, and I think that's kind of one of the more, I would say, like overarching themes of um, Songs in the Key of Life is obviously, you know, the title, Songs in the Key of Life. Like, you know, he had big mm-hmm. aims for this album anyway. And so kind of coming up, coming up with a song that is, you know, uh, in the Spanish, he's saying, you know, it's a story of tomorrow. You know, I'm, I'm. It's a story of love. It's a story that, you know, that that love will reign around the, you know, our world. Um, you know, es una historia de mi corazón. You know, it's a story of my heart. You know that, and I, and I. Yeah. It's funny because obviously, when he gets to the kind of almost English translation of it, he changes it slightly to say, "I am singing of tomorrow. I am singing of love." I am singing someday, love will reign, you know, I'm singing of the love from my heart. So he kind of changes the sentiment just a little bit when he when he turns it into English later on. Um, and then it's kind of the same with the, the kind of the Zulu, which, you know, the, the kind of translation was given to him by, um, you know, a Zulu musician he knew. Um, it is kind of the same thing of like, I'm singing for a tomorrow, you know, I'm singing of love. Um, you know, except the kind of the final line of that is all, all around this world of ours. So, you know, it's the same sentiment, basically. You know, he wants to bring mm-hmm. people together. Um, you know, it's almost very close to being a jingle for Coca-Cola. Um, you know, <laughs> except he's saying, I am singing. You know, he, he's not telling about how he wants to teach the world to sing. He's just saying, I am singing. Um, and, and I will say, we've, we've talked before about Stevie Wonder as a vocalist. Uh, I think here, like... Easily the best part of the song is his vocal performance when he goes into the I am singing. Yeah. <laughs> well, I just I just showed that I am not Stevie Wonder. <laughs> but yeah, like um, when he goes into that verse, that's where he really starts to, to cut loose and uh, actually do- gives a really credible vocal performance and it sort of saves the song for me. Yeah, I think as well, because obviously, you know, the, the Zulu, I actually, I think the, like the Zulu verse sounds quite good. Um, and like you say, yeah. I think he acquits himself okay in the kind of the Spanish version. Uh, you know, when he was talking in Don't You Worry About a Thing about how he speaks very fluent Spanish, I think that was just meant to be like a, a bit of a come on and, you know, so he could keep saying chevre, you know, over and over again. Um, 
Whereas here, obviously, he's having to put the effort in to kind of, you know, make it fit the meter and try to get a kind of at least a vague rhyme out of it, uh, you know, with Manana and Reniera, you know, like, so he's it, it, like, it feels like it, it's kind of the, you know, the second language or third language are kind of holding him back a little bit from kind of kind of getting into the song. And like you say, it is once he gets to the, the kind of the, I guess, what we would call the chorus, where he does get to the I am singing of tomorrow. Like, that's when you really, you're like, oh, yeah, Steve. Stevie Wonder's a great vocalist. <laughs> like, you know, yeah. something that, that I feel like the early part of the song doesn't really kind of, you know, sell him on. But I will say this. Obviously, mm -hmm. if you were, you know, a, a kid who kind of spoke Zulu and, you know, you hear mm -hmm. Stevie Wonder singing, you know, in Zulu, I can imagine that that would be, you know, quite an amazing thing to hear. Uh, no matter how yeah. bad, you know, maybe his pronunciation or his, you know, like, again, I, I don't think Stevie would kind of fail there because, you know, you feel that Stevie Wonder is someone who kind of does everything effortlessly well. So, you know, I, it, it just it just strikes me, you know, that like it's a nice gesture to be like, here's a here's a language that you don't hear people singing in. Here's one of the biggest selling artists singing in. I can imagine, you know, Zulu kids hearing that and being like, oh. It's amazing to kind of hear someone sing in our language, you know, like that's that would just be something. And, I think, and it, you know, it, it also ties into the the period, of course, right? Because you know, it's uh, like at the tail end of the seventies, but like starting in the late sixties and all through the seventies, you have the whole Afrocentric thing, and you have lots of yeah. Afro-American artists, you know, interacting with African rhythms and with African culture and learning different African languages. So this is kind of like. A last hurrah of that, I guess, because in the 80s that sort of became passe. Yeah, I mean, obviously, um, you know, uh, Paul Simon won the Grammy uh, the year that Stevie Wonder didn't release. Sure, but that's not, Paul Simon is not an Afro-American artist. No, he's not. But I mean, I would say that obviously once he started collaborating with, um, you know, art, I mean, obviously, uh, Graceland itself is a controversial album because, you know, it kind of ended up breaking the whole kind of, you know, the thing where artists weren't cooperating with <clears throat> apartheid South Africa. Yeah. But still, you know, uh, and again, it does. I mean, you know, there are some questionable motives maybe for uh, why Paul Simon kind of, you know, used that culture. But at the same time, I think, you know, uh, Lady Blacksmith Mambazo have made a career out of, of collaborating on that one album. So, uh, you know, it did them good. Um, but I still, I, you know, obviously I think... No, and, and, and the music is good. Yeah. Uh, don't get me wrong. It's not that I don't like Graceland. I'm just saying that I feel like that's coming from a really different place culturally oh, yeah. than the Afrocentric stuff of the 70s. Yeah, I'm, I, but I'm kind of saying like, you know, obviously the, the stuff in the 70s was kind of, let's say, a bit more authentic. And then by the 80s, it's basically just being exploited as a sound, basically. Um, yeah. You know, whereas Stevie Wonder is obviously using it here because it feels like something. I mean, with everything Stevie Wonder does, it feels something very earnest. And you know, he, like mm -hmm. the fact that the title is in three different, even just the title is in three different languages, let alone the fact that he's singing in three different languages, it feels like that he's kind of trying to embrace different cultures and say, look, you know, we, you know, he wants to bring everyone together, and this is one of the ways he's going to do it. Obviously, by the time we get into the eighties, that kind of gesture just becomes, you know, a different sound for an artist who's been going for 20 years and just needs to kind of revive their career. Sure. So, um, you know, I feel like, I mean, as, and the thing is, I've seen Paul Simon play live. So, <laughs> so I'm a fan of Paul Simon's and I also own Graceland and Graceland also won Grammy of the Year. So, like, you know, I, it's it's obviously kind of something that people embraced. But, um, you know, that feels like a slightly different motivation to what Stevie Wonder is trying to do here, which is to kind of include mm. people. Um, and I would say, obviously, the same, you know, it's a savvy move to start singing in Spanish as well. Like, you know, obviously, Spanish is kind of like the second language in America. 
And yeah. so huge that huge audience, of course. Yeah. yeah, and I think you know he'd also collaborated with some kind of you know Latin artists on earlier tracks on this album and on some albums before this anyway. So to kind of you know broaden your audience always makes sense. Uh, in fact, I'm surprised that the I'm well, I'm not that surprised because um, there is of course the story of Christina Aguilera who sounds like she should be. Um, you know, she should have some kind of, you know, Latin influence in her background, but she has none. Uh, but she did re-record her debut album in Spanish, but she did it phonetically. Um, and so, uh-huh. <laughs> so it, but, it, but, but that was, was that within that like mini period of like a Latin explosion when like Ricky Martin and Jennifer Lopez were becoming really famous. And because of that, like there was this idea that this would be the next trend. And then it didn't happen. Uh, yeah, although saying that, like, um, Christine Aguilera still managed to sell, like, a million units of her Spanish version of her debut album. Like, she still did really well out of that. <laughs> so, mm, um, and she cannot speak a word of Spanish. Um, so it kind of makes sense to try and expand your audience. But I think, you know, that's not that's not what Stevie Wonder's doing here. He's not he's not that cynical. Um, you know, he's no. he's he's kind of because also like I, I think that throughout his albums in the 70s, there are certain Latin rhythms that pop up. Like Latin music is definitely something that he uh, inter- interacts with. And also one thing that you always have to keep in mind when you're talking about Latin music, whether it be, you know, Cuban music or salsa or Brazilian music, is that a lot of it is also black music because yeah. there are a lot of black people in Latin America, you know. And uh, so it, 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 there is also a sort of um, uh, a, a connection there, I would say. Yeah. I mean, obviously, you know, if someone was more cynical these days, they would release albums in, um, you know, Portuguese and Mandarin because then you would sell huge. In... I was going to say Cantonese. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because yeah, then you'd sell huge in China and you'd sell huge in Brazil, and you know, straight away you've got yourself like you know these gigantic countries where you could exploit things. Um, but yeah, mm-hmm. this, but this is you know Stevie Wonder. I don't think could ever be cynical, except of course about Richard Nixon, uh, where he was very <laughs> cynical. Um, but you know, so it, it, it you know, like he says, you know, I, I'm singing someday love will reign throughout this world of ours. That's, <laughs> that's literally what he's trying to do, um, and by yeah. singing in these different languages it just feels like he's trying to bring different kind of audiences in um you know i would have i um while, while researching this song i did find that there's a cover by gatto barbieri who is probably best known for doing the soundtrack to uh last tango in paris okay but he's like a 70s jazz dude and i would also recommend to listeners to to check out that cover because uh yeah i think i've I think that like having a jazz backing to it works a bit better than that synth that we were talking about. Yeah, I think this is one of the times where, you know, obviously on this album, he had a, you know, he basically had kind of like a session band that he used on a number of different tracks. Um, and I feel like if he'd have dropped the co- the Koto on this and used the the kind of the band, you know, that he had, which, you know, he had a trombonist and a trumpet player and, you know, saxophonist, like he had them kind of on call. Um, it feels like that, that would have kind of given this a, a kind of, I don't know, a different feel. It would have just made it feel a bit more authentic. As it is, the synthesizer just makes it feel a little bit too artificial. Um, you know. Yeah. So I would say, you know, I'm going to have to go lower on this and say four and a half out of five. You still Stevie Wonder singing, so, you know, you can't. Um, you know, I, I still, I still, I, 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 still I, I really would like go it. three out of five, actually. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I, I do. I do enjoy his vocal performance, but not much else. Yeah. And, I, you know, it's 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 kind of like, a you know, a trifle of a song. It's not really a huge amount going on. I understand the sentiment. And I think it's really kind of, you know, it's nice that he kind of did this of like, 
you know, singing in these different languages. Um, you know, I would have loved it if he had gone like another two or three languages. Like if there was like a verse in Mandarin and if, the, if there was like, you know, a verse in German or something. Like if he'd really gone to like different, like really kind of, you know, really expanded it and just kept adding another verse in a different language and just kind of, you know, made this thing if, last. If he had made it more like Black Man. Yeah, yes, yeah. Um, yeah, so I, I feel like if he kind of embraced like even more cultures and been like, look, I'm going to sing in every single language I can think of. Um, and then I would have really loved it. But yeah, it's as it is, you know, it feels like a disappointing opening to this final song, uh, this final side, should I say, um, you know, whereas, um, you know, uh, I would say, you know, like, I don't know, I, I, I think as is such a great song that kind of everything else on this final side kind of is in its shadow. And so it's a little hard to kind of, um, you know, but yeah, I don't know. It's, it's still it's still a fun song. Um, but like I say, you know, I think the sentiment that he was going for was kind of the first thing and then the instrumentation and everything else seems to be second on his mind and you know he's got this idea that maybe he wants it to have this kind of latin feel but then he doesn't really seem to follow it through completely um and then it also feels like somebody gave him a new synthesizer and he tried it and then he didn't bother using it ever again <laughs> it's kind of like well you know i can understand why you did that steve you know stick to the roads or you know stick to the uh, you know the gx1 stick to stick to like the good synthesizers basically um, or just play piano because you know you can you know you can just play piano Steve. he is good know. at that yeah. <laughs> you know you don't have to always play a synthesizer you know i know you're trying to distinguish yourself from ray charles but occasionally you can just play a piano like um you know even a piano on this would have kind of i think elevated it a little bit but uh yeah, yeah. you know it's uh, as it is i feel like it's one of the weakest the weaker tracks on this album it's not one that i listen to a huge amount either you know in terms of like you know, there's a lot of songs on Songs of the Key of Life, and sometimes you have to make a choice about which ones you're going to skip. Um, and when it comes to the fourth side, generally I'm going to I'm going to jump to As if I'm going <laughs> to if I'm going to listen to a song, um, you know, because that is that is a great yeah, song. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. So uh, then let's go to plugs. Is there anything that you wish to plug, Daniel? Two things. I have a radio show where I play nothing but soundtracks. It's called You Know the Score on RadioQuantica.com, and you can check us out on the social medias. And I also regularly contribute to the Talking Pictures TV podcast. And you can find us for this project on Twitter at Stevie Wogan. Thanks for being my guest here today, Daniel. Thank you. And otherwise, manana. <laughs>